All right, y'all. We're back for round two with Emily Fletcher. Stretching, stretching, stretching. Um, I've been out at the farm in Lockhart. We just had our first core event for fit for service out here. And Emily Fletcher, the great Miss Emily Fletcher, was in attendance. And um, she's just one of my favorite people on earth. She really is. She's, she's absolutely changed my life. Ziva meditation has absolutely changed my life. And she's doing really, really cool shit. Sex magic stuff, manifestation, and uh, pairing it with her phenomenal, you know, un- <laughs> in a league of its own meditation style. That truly has changed my life. And um, we had such a blast here together at the event. And, uh, you know, I want with her in town. I, I've, I've been doing a lot of online interviews, but I always love them face to face. And I was like, please, 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 let's wait for another face to face. So we got to do face to face. And it was just fantastic. You know, I really appreciated it being face to face too, because at the end of the podcast, Emily asked me a question. And points out the obvious that, uh, you know, as a New Yorker, she's in disagreement on some key issues uh, in society or how we view the world. Um, So first time I was put in the hot seat like that, kudos to Emily. And thank God it was face to face because I recognized her love and her energy. And um, it was a genuine question. And so I gave her a genuine answer that I I really hadn't thought about before. So it was was cool to get put in the hot seat like that, which uh, rarely happens on this podcast. Uh, certainly happens on other podcasts, you know, when I'm being interviewed, but that was fucking awesome. I thoroughly enjoyed this. I absolutely love and adore Emily Fletcher and everything that she's doing in the world. I think that, you know, we most certainly agree that there are big changes coming and that um, big change is necessary within humanity. And, you know, I have lived on the edge of darkness for extended periods of time. And her meditation has been one of the key things that kept me going. It's been one of the key things that kept me grounded and one of the key touchstones that reminded me that at God's center, it is bliss. It is unconditional love. And it is something that I can access without anything else, without any drugs. And y'all know I love drugs, without uh, psychedelics, without fasting for extended times, which I've done plenty of, without any other really uh, add-ins, I can touch that bliss field. And I know how to access it now because she's given me keys to the kingdom. And y'all can get the same keys (laughs) at Ziva Meditation. Uh, We drop at the end. She's got a lot of stuff coming out. So really, really cool stuff on the horizon. Um, We'll link to all that in the show notes. Uh, She's going to give a discount code for everybody. Of course, that's KKP as it is most of the time. Um, But Yeah, just love Emily. Super dope. We had a great time at the event. Uh, 150 people were out here. And pretty much every day right now, I'm day three or four, day four of doing the land overhaul. So we are revamping. We've got a fucking giant 40-ton excavator, a D3 bulldozer, and a a good full-size skid steer. So we're out here doing work every day on the farm. We got a key line plow, which is amazing. Um, If you guys want to look into more, I know I've talked a lot about it. There's a fantastic book on regenerative agriculture. If there's anything you guys want to learn about regenerative agriculture, the how-to manual, um, let me pull it up here. I believe it's regenerativeagriculturebook.com. And yep, there it is. And this is from Richard Perkins. Uh, Joel Salatine says it's a must on every aspiring integrity farmer's bookshelf. 
Um, he's from Polyface Farms, been on Rogan's, was featured in Food Inc. He's one of the premier faces of regenerative agriculture. So, you know, the the universal thing with Richard Perkins is that uh, this book is absolutely comprehensive. If all you want to do is do chickens, he'll show you how to do chickens in ways that'll increase your yield and be the best, highest quality for the land and for your family. You know, the eggs that they produce, everything, everything about it. Um, he has, you know, 10.6 hectares in, in rural Sweden, which is fucking pretty cool. Um, but this shows you how to be profitable with a very small plot of land. Obviously, that's a massive, massive amount of land that he's working with in Sweden. Um, and, he, you know, he really builds upon a lot of the teachings. And I know I'm going off on a tangent from Emily right now, but uh, this is all I'm focused on for the next month. And then after that, I will continue to be focused on that. But for as far as this phase one, really putting in this permaculture food forest, uh, which is the the main basis for this first first uh, thing. Check this book out. It's 90 bucks. It's like, I don't know, 700, 7,500 Svenk, which I think comes out to $90 US. It is a textbook, something you can study over and over again throughout the years. You don't have to read it chapter to chapter. You can pick. And I was just thinking about that book because chapter five is all on key line plows and how to set up your farm with a key line plow. So I will be fucking mastering the key line plow over the next 10 years and uh, hooking up friends who need to borrow one in the area. It's just a good thing to have. Super cool. So I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I'm absolutely ecstatic over life right now. I see a lot of big changes coming and I see those of us who are in tune to nature and in tune to the land will struggle less. That has been a very firm download. Um, and that doesn't mean you have to become a farmer, you know, just know your farmers. That's a big one. Know your food source. That's a big one. And, and have some communion with the land. Even if you're in an apartment and you've got houseplants, have some communion with nature, get out into a park. Um, and I think that that will increase your ability to receive downloads from nature, when you want to call that Gaia, Pachamama, whatever you want to say about that, uh, your high self, whatever that is, I seem to be more intuitive the more I'm in nature. All right. This podcast is supported by you guys, and it's supported by you guys purchasing supplements and anything that I really, any ad read that I have um, truly supports and makes this podcast possible. And I really thank you guys for um, listening to all these podcasts, sharing it with friends, but I also thank you guys for supporting our sponsors because they make it possible. And um, we've got some awesome, awesome sponsors today. Uh, we're brought to you by Optimal Carnivore. You can visit amazon.com slash optimal carnivore and use code kingsboo10 to receive 10% off all products. That's a long ass URL. So we're going to link to that in the show notes as with everything else that are sponsoring today. Organ meats are some of the best and most nutrient dense foods on the planet. Our ancestors prized organ meats for their vital properties. The founders understood the amazing benefits of eating organ meats, but found it difficult to source a variety of high quality organ meat. They disliked the process of preparing them and trying to make them tasty. Uh, organ meats taste like shit. Let me just be perfectly honest. They're not, they're not fantastic. Uh, so they started sourcing 100% grass-fed organ meats from New Zealand, freeze-drying the organs and encapsulating them into convenient bovine gelatin capsules. They choose New Zealand because of it's a pure source, a pristine land with rich soil, lush greenery, and one of the cleanest environments on earth. The products are 100% grass-fed and grass-finished, 
free of hormones, pesticides, antibiotics, and dun, 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 GMOs. Nobody likes GMOs. Uh, they currently have grass-fed organ complex. It contains nine different organs and a grass-fed liver product. Check it all out. Amazon.com slash Optimal Carnivore and use code KINGSBOO10 to receive 10% off all products. All right, y'all. This is for the biohackers and health-conscious people out there. Um, I had Bioptimizer's founder, Wade Lightheart, on this podcast, who is a genius. And we really broke down the many, many biological processes and physiological adaptations, or not adaptations, but physiological processes that happen uh, from magnesium alone. About 75% of people are magnesium deficient. That's yeah, that's a lot. This deficiency can lead to higher levels of anxiety, irritability, trouble sleeping, and low energy. It can even contribute to foot and leg cramps while you sleep. Many of us who have done keto or carnivore realize this. Now, you might be wondering, does magnesium really affect all these things? Well, the answer is yes. In fact, magnesium is involved in more than 300 chemical processes inside your body. So a lot of different things can start to go wrong if you're deficient. The good news is that you can experience a number of positive health benefits from just getting enough magnesium, including better sleep, more energy, stronger bones, healthy blood pressure, less irritability, a calmer mood, reduced muscle cramping, and even fewer migraines. But to experience these health benefits, you have to get the right kinds of magnesium. Truth is, most magnesium supplements you'll find in health stores use only two of the cheapest synthetic forms. And since they're not full spectrum, they won't fix your magnesium deficiency or do much to support your health. And they could make you shit your pants, which has happened to me once or twice. That's not in the read, but I'm just saying (laughs) too much of the wrong magnesium can be explosive. Uh, There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium, and you must get all of them if you want to experience its calming health enhancing effects. That's why I recommend using Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress relief and better sleep all in one bottle. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed and you'll be amazed by the improvements in your mood and energy levels and how much more rested you feel when you wake up. For an exclusive offer to my listeners, go to magbreakthrough.com kingsboo and use kingsboo in all caps the number 10, Kingsboo 10 during checkout to save 10% and get free shipping. Once again, magbreakthrough.com slash Kingsboo, and then all caps, Kingsboo 10, the number for 10% off any order. And we are brought to you also by Sovereignty.co. Sovereignty is the shit. I love these guys. They've been out to my house. Um, you know, Monsel uh, used to work for their company. He's a nootropics specialist and helped design this, but um. Jason and the crew out there at Sovereignty are phenomenal. They've retooled Purpose and made it Purpose Plus. They've retooled their dream and made it Dream Plus. And both these products were amazing to begin with. But now uh, there's really nothing like them. And Purpose is just absolutely incredible. It really does have um, so much benefit to it from a nootropic standpoint, but also from an energy standpoint. There are a few things that combine that. You know, everybody's trying to get the right coffee mix, the right amount of caffeine, the right nootropic. Um, This is just a phenomenal thing for energy, for cognitive function. It rolls it all into one. And Dream Plus is absolutely incredible. You know, Dream Plus was something I originally only used on ceremony night. (laughs) A lot of people can't sleep on ceremony night if you can read between the lines. Um, And it would knock me out. And I was like, damn, this can overpower X, Y, and Z um, medicines and help me fall asleep just as easily. And just to turn off, all right, I'm done with ceremony. Good night. Dream Plus would help me do that. And then, uh, you know, over the time, over over the last year (laughs) with my lack of participating in ceremonies, 
I started supplementing with this more regularly and my sleep has improved dramatically. It is an every night thing. Um, Purpose Plus for the most part is an everyday thing. It gives me energy, it helps my brain turn on. So if you were to think of the yin and the yang, you know, you've got your nighttime yin, the dream plus, you've got the yang, the daytime, the purpose plus. It's the perfect one-two combo, which conveniently sources adaptogenic herbs, uh, many different cannabinoids found in, in our wonderful plant medicine cannabis. And um, uh, these are in here. No THC in either product and just a, a truly phenomenally engineered product, both of them. Um, one gears you up, one gears you down. And I, I, I really just love these guys. They, they, they continue to, to refine and refine and make it better. This is the get shit done formula. Their, their purpose plus formula is just something that absolutely switches you on. A lot of people are trying to come off of pharmaceuticals and nasty shit like Adderall. And they're like, well, what do I do? Nothing works as well. Imagine something working just as well, but with no anxiety increase. You know, they, they tested me at my house um, for metabolic function as well as HRV simultaneously. And what they found was I increased metabolic output, meaning it's burning more fat, was switched on, was alert, and HRV increased at the same time. There is no product I've ever taken that increased both simultaneously, meaning I burn more fat, uh, mitochondria switched on, I have more energy as a pre-workout, there's nothing like it. And at the same time, I was more relaxed internally. Uh, typically, when we go into fight or flight, we get that rhythmic bump, 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 or bump, 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 bump. We get that rhythmic to the beat drummer beat of our heartbeat. And when we have increased HRV, that's heart rate variability. We might have a bump, bump, long pause, bump, bump, and then another bump, bump, and then another long pause. And it's just kind of all over the place. Well, that's when our, our relaxed state, the heart's going to beat as necessary. It's not to some rhythm of the beat. And so to get increased HRV while we're meditating, that's cool, but that's calming. Uh, to increase HRV while, while you're about to work out, I mean, that's, there's nothing like that. It is really phenomenal. And with that, that broadens open the scope of awareness, Me, meaning I can get into flow much easier. If I was doing big wave surfing like Laird Hamilton, I imagine that increased HRV would be a very good thing, a very necessary thing while you're hitting the waves. And you know, Laird, Laird, Laird has spoken on this podcast before about flow states. Uh, you read the book Stealing Fire by Jamie Wheel and Stephen Kotler. That there's the the largest of all of any book really breaks that down. This is a product that can and does increase flow state. So check it all out. Um, it truly is a multi-use. You can use it to kickstart your day with focus. Um, great afternoon pick me up. It is not overloaded with caffeine. It has a very small amount of caffeine that will blast you with organic caffeine and then time release, which will slowly titrate that out. Check it all out. Uh, Purpose Plus is a must-have, and Dream Plus is a must-have as well. Really love these guys. Use code KKP at checkout for 25% off both Purpose Plus and Dream Plus over at Sovereignty.co. That's S-O-V-E-R-E-I-G-N-T-Y.co and code KKP at checkout for 25% off everything. 25% off everything. Check it all out. Um, They're doing this really uh, just for this podcast right now. So check it all out. Sovereignty.co, KKP at checkout, 25% off. Last but not least, we're brought to you by Lucy.co. Lucy.co was started by a few Caltech scientists, and it is just incredible. Look, we're all adults here, and I know some of us choose to use nicotine to relax, focus, or just unwind after a long day. Lucy is a modern oral nicotine company that makes nicotine gum, lozenges, and pouches for adults who are looking for the best, most responsible way to consume their nicotine. 
It's a new year. Why not start it out by switching to a new nicotine product that you can feel good about? If you enjoy using nicotine, you should definitely check out Lucy's products at lucy.co. That's L-U-C-Y dot C-O and use promo code KKP at checkout. Uh, warning, this product does contain nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. We got to mention that. Uh, remember, it, if you're interested in a better way to use nicotine, visit lucy.co and be sure to use that promo code KKP. This is leaps and bounds, one of the best nootropics on the planet. It stacks well with all nootropics. Um, so no matter what your favorite is, Purpose Plus or anything else, this goes hand in hand with it. They piggyback on each other and really increase uh, the benefit. So love these guys. Check it out, lucy.co, KKP at checkout, 20% off anything and everything. And without further ado, my lovely Miss Emily Fletcher. <laughs> You're good, brother. We have uh, Tom. Tom's in the background in case we decide to use any of this. It's totally okay. It's more casual that way. Love you, brother. Have a great day. Um, we've been waiting because Bear wants honey. He wants to mix his honey into his hot tea like right away. And so we always make him wait. Sometimes we wait too long. So it's like room temp. And yeah. then you've got to really stir it. And like you, you just gotta... have a glob of honey at the <laughs> yeah, end. You're like, all right, stay on it, buddy. <laughs> Keep stirring till it dissolves. It's like the never ending task for a six year old. Oh, that's probably good. Having some focus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Guns are the best thing for focus for him. Mm. Yeah, by oh, far. He's six. You said. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got we got a. We're recording this at the wonderful farm in Lockhart, um, on the last day of fit for service, and a mile and a half from us is Lone Star Gun Range, and like it's an outdoor range. They're all super cool, and in Texas, there's no like laws against age as long as you are doing it appropriately and you have appropriate guidance and not some you know asshole parent that's like <laughs> running off while his kid's shooting. And uh, we got memberships there and he's been shooting a really cool, we, my dad gave him um, granddad's first gun, which was my dad's first gun, which was my first gun. It's a 22 Magnum single shot rifle wow. and he loved it. Hmm. And then I got him a handgun, also shooting little bullets, little Beretta M9. And that's like, he mounts, he's, I mean, I imagine every male Kingsbury has been this way, but like bounces off the wall. And the second we go to shoot, it's just zeroed in focus, quiet time. Everything's serious. He knows, you know, you never point willy nilly with the gun. You know, mm-hmm. it's like super important. You can die. And like that level of importance draws him in to a point where he's just zeroed. And it's mm. really cool to see like him focus like that. Have you done martial arts with him? He loves jujitsu and he's been doing, he's really liked Muay Thai too. Cause punt, you know, all boys want to punch and kick, but what age did you start with? Those? We started him at like three, okay. which is incredibly young. And he would just go, I mean, he's always been on the mat since he could, he was crawling on the mats, learning at Luch in San Jose when my dad and I would do jujitsu. And so he's always been around it. And then it's like, Hey, whenever you want to, but there's no push at all. So he'll, sometimes he'll go for like three months straight and then he won't go for six months. And because he's so young, like you never push a kid into something, right? Yeah. And so he's just like a drop in situation. Yeah. Okay. And, he, and he loves it. But we, we wrestle all the time. Like I always wrestled with my dad and like just wrestling with, he wrestles with mom all the time too. And, and then, is he in school or are y'all homeschooling? We're homeschooling this year. Okay. Yeah. It would have been his, Waldorf does three years of kinder. So four, five, six, yeah. that way they know two generations above them, two generations below them. They get a chance to be rookies, middle, and then they get a chance to be the leaders. Yeah. My son's and, at Waldorf too. And this would have been his third year doing that. And I was kind of like, this might be a good time to, to try homeschooling. And it was like, I'm bald already, but it was like my fucking hair is falling out. Like this is hard. incredibly hard. Yeah. And then after probably six months, we just dropped in a flow. You know, we're, we're able to, 
he loves what he's what he's learning, and it's really guided just like Waldorf with whatever he wants to learn. So he's big into natural disasters and um, knitting. Believe it or not, that's another way he works on the, yeah. on the fine motor skills and like mm-hmm. gets zeroed in. And um, yeah, he made Tasha's mom uh, oven mitts, doing like the little string guys the where looms. you got to go. Yeah, doing the looms. Yeah. yeah. So he loves that. He wants to make everyone that. So he, that's like Aww. his great way to like sit and be quiet and enjoy it. Cool. And um, we're out in nature all the time. Like I purposely make less money to work less so I can spend more time with my family. And um, most days I might work anywhere between three to five hours. And then the rest of that time, it's like, we're getting outside. There's a disc golf course right behind where we live in Austin right now. So we hike through this little point called the secret passage and we'll throw discs out there and there's cardinals and hawks and all sorts of cool shit. And Wolfie's been coming with us and she throws it like one foot and we all cheer and then she picks it back up. So it's been awesome. I mean, we always find nature spots. And then last year he saved up for half of a stand-up paddleboard and I bought the rest of it. And so we paddleboarded for nine months out of the year. So it's just getting warm enough again. And now here with this farm, we've got some giant ponds. So we're going to be able to go out there. He'll learn fishing on the pond with my old man when he comes out. So we got some big mouth bass in there to to fish for. And Living the dream. It's dope. Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. Living the dream. How long has it been since we've been on the podcast? <clears throat> Six months? A year? It would be at least 17 months. Damn! I know. No way. Yeah, because we did it right at the end of your Ziva training, right? Mm-hmm. And that would have been, yeah, like approximately a year and a half-ish. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Wow. It feels... Like, but we met for the first time in 2019. Mm-hmm. And that was when we were supposed to podcast, mm-hmm. but it didn't work out. And here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Well, we did get to podcast once. Yes, we sure And that did. was phenomenal. And I, I try to pull every little ounce of, of Ziva out of you for the listener. And I think we did a good job because mm-hmm. that sparked some interest. And at, at the very least, it gave people some, uh, a better idea of what meditation can be. Yeah. And a better how-to guide yeah. than anything that I had learned before. Well, I have to say, I have so many people come up to me, especially here, but even in life, they're like, I first learned about you from Kyle Kingsbury. I think the way that you speak about your experience, where you, because people think meditation is like a cute bubble bath for your brain or like a free app with someone guiding you with a cute accent. And it's like, they don't understand that you could actually like access this infinite well of bliss and fulfillment right inside of them. And then when the way that you speak about it in relationship to your first ayahuasca experience, it was that level of profundity. I think people are like, oh wait, that's not that's not an app on my phone. No. And even just from like a, you know, I know that's not the goal, as we mentioned in the first podcast, the bliss field is not the goal, but when you get there, like I've done every fucking drug on earth. <laughs> I have no problem saying it. The good, the bad, and the ugly, um, you know, rule of thumb for most people on drugs is if it leaves you more whole than when you started, that's a good drug. Like if you yeah. come out of that as a better person and there's no side effects, that's a good drug. So mm. ayahuasca would qualify, psilocybin, obviously the right set and setting, container, all that stuff, the right dose. And then bad drugs. I did a lot of bad drugs like Coke and uh, pressed ecstasy tabs I'd throw in my in my poop shoot in college. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I have fun, right? So yeah. <laughs> I've snorted Oxycontin. I've done a lot of things. The euphoria from the bliss field is, is that very thing. It leaves you more whole than when you start it. There is no feeling like it yeah. from drugs. 
There's yeah. nothing even fucking sniffs it. Well, because any drug that you take is only a facsimile of some chemical that your brain is already organically producing, which is why it has the impact to begin with. You put LSD in a lizard's brain, it does not trip. It does not make that chemical organically. And so when you can start producing your own bliss chemistry, of course it's going to feel better because it's the real shit. It's not a facsimile. And there's no come down. Yeah. Like your entire day changes. Yeah, there's no come down. And it's actually, like it is increasing neuroplasticity. It is increasing neurogenesis. It is actually regenerative versus like almost any exogenous substance. There's some sort of a cost, even if it's only financial, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes there's a cost to your body. Sometimes it's a little bit of tiredness, but with meditation, you're more awake. I love, that. who was it? Was it you that someone said this weekend, because I was mentioning like my goal as a nerdy meditation teacher is to have my, to be such a connoisseur of sobriety that I'm in such a high state of consciousness <laughs> that drugs would just bring me down. I am not there yet. <laughs> but someone said that this weekend with like, yeah, MDMA is like not, doesn't, doesn't really do anything to, oh, I know. This office that we're in, he was like, yeah, what Shuma doesn't do anything to me. I'm just sort of at a nine Parker? all the time. Zachary. Zachary. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, for, to be perfectly honest, and I love what Shuma, we just participated in a ceremony at the church. And um, <clears throat> the only time where I've really been like wowed was after f- five days of fasting. Okay. And I've done, every time I've done an extended fast five days, uh, either with water, water only, or um, fasting mimicking diet, I finished with some psychedelic. I just, mm-hmm. I just like that. Like that's going to break my fast. <laughs> You've already done the work for five days to really peel the layers and open up the body. And you're so receptive to the medicine at that point that a little goes a very, very long way. And is there a similar purging? I imagine, does the fasting change the purging process? I think it's a piece of the purge, right? When you're cleaning and pulling the layers out and like the, all the emotions that come up during that, you know, like, like you're, you're facing yourself, you know, yeah. like it's, it's, it's reflective. You're looking in That's the mirror I mean. It's like you sort days. of like you've done the, like mm-hmm. the cleaning of the hose. And yeah. so then just the fresh, clean water can come out. Yeah. And so that was the, that's my only experience with Lachuma where I was like, fuck. And they went to offer me a second cup and I was like, ah, let's just keep it where it's at. We'll do a half <laughs> cup, you know? And like, I'm a big dude and I typically have a higher threshold, but, um, I say that to say, you know, when I've had Wachuma, you know, fasting that day, but not for five days, it's very loving, but it's so gentle that it's like, it, it, I don't get, you know, a, a massive experience from it. I think yeah. it's a beautiful medicine and it certainly opens up intuition and the connection to nature. But um, <clears throat> even after the five day fasting, it's not visionary for me. It's not like, mm. you know, one cup of ayahuasca or any amount of psilocybin. You have visuals. <clears throat> it's a yeah, thing. I've only done it once, which I mentioned at the talk. You got to tell. I want you to tell this story. I want you to tell this story. Yes. It's so good. I want you to tell it. For my birthday last year, I did ayahuasca for the first time. And I'm picturing like my first ayahuasca experience is going to be with indigenous people in the jungles of Peru. And nope, we were at a house <laughs> in Tampa, Florida that you walk in. It looks like the real housewives of Tampa. And we're talking. So it was decked out. Fake lawn, <laughs> fake boobs, fake fake nails, fake lashes in a hot tub. It's all women. And I'm looking around like, what am I doing here? Like this did not, like it was not my fantasy of what my first ayahuasca experience would be. It was, that was my own judgment. These were amazing full-blown goddesses, self-made women that were coming together to purify their consciousness. And it was beautiful. I'm I'm more commenting on my own judgment of it. Anyway, so we did ayahuasca the first night. It was very rough for me. And I went in 
arrogant AF, being like, I think maybe, maybe grandmother's just going to give me a pat on the back and be like, you're doing great. No, Keep good going. job, sweetie. Keep going. <laughs> you're on the path. I've got nothing for you. <laughs> I'm, I've been mentioning for 13 years. I got nothing to clean. <laughs> Cut to like, I'm in full purgatory. <laughs> like, I can't get out. I can't speak or like move. And everybody else has finished their whole ride. They're having snacks, having a great time. And I'm like, oh. And finally, the shaman comes over and like hits me on my chest or something, exercises these demons. It was, point is right, big, deep purge, not just my own, but like the collective consciousness. We're in the middle of like full-blown lockdown. And I felt like I was mourning every funeral that didn't happen. Like every person who died and then did not get to be celebrated and mourned. And the grieving process, like the importance of that grieving process of coming together. Anyway, next day we do Wachuma. Right, so it was like the ayah just cleaned all of the gunk out. And so I had this big open vessel and then the wachuma just filled it up with joy. And that's what the shaman said. He's like, I clean you out and then I fill you up with joy. And so the next day he also did our um, human design. Fuck yeah. And he, so goes, good. and he goes, when he looked at my chart, he was like, oh, the last time someone with your chart did this, they had a three hour energetic orgasm. And I was like, that's weird. I'd never had one of those. I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and cut to a few hours later, I have like a three hour affair with a cactus. <laughs> it was like as if the cactus itself was penetrating me, but it was as if I was making love with God. Like it was fascinating. I had never had, I'd say top number one closest to God I've ever felt. And and I have no, I've never done Wachuma on its own. So I don't know if it was the combination of the- For sure it is, out, for sure. And then that, but wow, it was, it was remarkable and opened me up to a whole new flavor of sexuality and like a visceral, very intense, potent experience of sacred sexuality, mm. which is this whole realm that I'm diving deep into now because, and I've said my whole career, I was like, look, if I ever find- like Ziva is the most powerful style of meditation I've ever found. If I find more powerful medicine, I'll start teaching that. And sacred sexuality is different medicine. They're not the same thing, but it is the first time I found something like, oh, this is unlocking massive amounts of energy, trauma, power, potential. And so now I'm, I'm really going deep in. Yeah. And I love the way that you put that because that's how I feel about the plant medicines. You know, it's, it's, um, they can offer me a unique perspective that I might not get in meditation, you know, that just, Hey, you haven't seen this yet. And it's like, Whoa. Um, So they all sit at the table, but you know, or or sit at the altar rather, they all have seats at the altar. The beautiful part about Ziva is that it's fucking daily. You know, like I I did last year, I had a rough go of it at the end of 2020 with the dark night of the soul and as above, so below makes perfect sense. But, um, so I didn't, I didn't do any medicine until August. And uh, I had like two pretty big experiences and two fairly light experiences, but only four journeys that whole year. And that for some people is way more than they did, you know, but um, for me, that's pretty scaled back. And I've just kind of, I have scaled back to, you know, around the big, you know, shifts in the, the, the cosmos, you know, the equinox, the solstices, things like that. And that seems to be a just, just right for me at my current stage of life. But having Ziva on a daily is it's completely changed my life, you know, and the, the, the bliss field that you can touch. Like I was fucking, we sat to guide uh, breathwork yesterday and then I want to, I'll loop it back to sexuality, but we sat in to guide breathwork with Lucas and Hella and I guided both of them. And the first one, you know, they have these warm up breaths, 10 seconds or 10 big breaths all the way in halfway out. And then a 10 second hold 
20 with a 20 second hold, 30, and then hold as long as you can. Then, then you have a break. They talk more. They did a 30 again, and then they have a guided meditation. I didn't hear a fucking word. I didn't hear a word of her guided meditation. The only reason why I knew they did that is because the next group that I guided, I was actually present for that. But I went so deep meditation. It was full dissolve. And I'm in a chair. And then I just felt the presence of something feminine. I opened my eyes and Vailana was about to sit on my lap. And she had a big smile on her face. And I was like, huh? And I looked to the front row and everybody's staring at me. And I was like, oh, I was gone. I was fucking gone, gone. Like that's like, then that's the power. That's, that's the like depth, a right? That's move where you can meditate in a conference. And then it's like you're receiving on the subliminal, whatever codes and downloads they have to give you, but you're also getting the deep rest of Ziva. So mm-hmm. nice work on that. Yeah. Nice and then work. the second one was great because I could actually, both were great but I could hear the guided, the guided meditation and the visualization that they led from that point was like, it was, it was hands down one of the most important I've had, you know, with the retrieval of your seven-year-old. And yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Um, since having, since having, uh, he's going to speak today, my brother, Jamie will on the podcast. And, and, um, I've purposely only taken bits and pieces from, uh, recapture the rapture due to the fact that, you know, we have an 18 month old and it's kind of like, eh, this is going to come, but I don't want to open up the treasure chest yet because. And you are know, y'all co-sleeping? Yeah. She's still yeah. sleeping with her, with uh, her. I sleep upstairs to have more energy for bear mm-hmm. for the time being. So I know it's right around the corner, but yeah. now it's like so pressing because I hear about your experiences. I hear about Aubrey and Violana and I'm hearing about Mark Gaffney and all this stuff. So I'm like, I've, there's such a can of worms when you were like, Hey, let's do another podcast. I'm like, fuck yes, please. <laughs> it is so time. I'm so ready. And I want to dive into sacred sexuality. And I love that she introduced me to Mama Gina because she's coming on in April. Yes. So author of Pussy, um, a Reclamation. A reclamation. Yep. Yes. Incredible. New York Times bestseller. Incredible. And also just the like, <laughs> I want to say like the balls on that woman. And that's sort of true. And I want to be aware of like the latent misogyny in our language because like balls are fragile. Pussies are strong. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. like, balls don't take a pounding very well. Yeah. <laughs> Not and like, at all. And like, anyway, but the whole point is that, and she is both. Mm-hmm. She has extraordinary masculine energy and extraordinary feminine energy. And this is a concept that I'm really interested in is people leaning into the everythingness of themselves and, and the new ways of accessing the divine and the new ways of connecting with each other when you move beyond exactly what your genitalia is. Because it's like, if you start having energy sex with people, you, the elbow can be an erogenous zone. You could have an orgasm in your brain, which happened to a bunch of people the other day during mm-hmm. the workshop, which was exciting. A heartgasm. I was like, why would we want to limit ourselves to like just this key in this hole? You know, it's like, let's, there's just infinite other things available. So Yes. So tell me, so this, this kicked off your experience with, with grandmother and grandfather, and then, you know, to, to, to not speak in, in, in code, ayahuasca and wachuma um, kicks this sexuality stint off where you and unlock something inside you not previously unlocked. And then, of course, like dominoes, the universe conspires on your behalf and starts presenting you with all the right people to learn from. Yeah. So it actually started a little bit before that and I had a you know massive life change, relationship change. And then on, on the same day, I met Layla Martin, who is like world-renowned, amazing Tantra teacher, you know, hundreds of millions of followers on YouTube and a real master. And she and I met and it was like, you know, just 
deep soul knowing. Like it feels similar to what you and Aubrey have. Like Layla and I have lived many, many, many lifetimes together. We've been priestesses together in many incarnations. And when we get in a room together, it's like, things change. Like there is a level of alchemy that is magic. And so I met Layla and I also met Adam, who you know, and he is now my beautiful cosmic lover. And Layla, I've learned and gotten so many transmissions and codes from. So that was sort of like day, that felt like the day one. And then it's just been like nature has given me this machine gun of like the world's greatest teachers just showing up at my doorstep, initiation after initiation. And I was like, thank you. Like, this is fun for me, but this feels like such an education, such a high level, fast tracked education in this, that it feels like this is not just for me. And, and I feel like my unique gift is taking esoteric concepts and making them relatable and accessible to a mainstream audience. And it feels very much like that is what nature is asking of me to do. And when, and then I, Adam created this men's group, which you're in. I mean, he didn't create it, but he created an event for a men's group, which you guys are all in. And Aubrey and I reconnected there. And he texted me a few weeks later and he's like, hey, will you do a week-long um, intensive with with Vailana, my wife? And I was like, in what? And he was like, well, Tantra and meditation. And I was like, I've never read a Tantra book. I've not taken one <laughs> Tantra class. And I was like, and I was like, my only qualifications are that I'm best friends with Layla Martin. <laughs> and he was like, cool, cool, cool. I know mastery when I see it. I feel like you have codes. Like I'm totally fine with all of this. And so I was just very transparent because I'm really one for lineage and certifications and training. Yeah. And like, I take all that very seriously. And and yet, what a gift. So I had seven days with Aubrey and Vailana, which we talked a little bit about on his podcast. And it was really a deep dive in... We did Ziva Live. So they were able to do the training that you did about 15 months ago. And that was beautiful. And then with that, it's such a profound healing tool that all of this stress starts to come up and out. And because I had seven days with them, it was like I could pull in every tool, every medicine in my medicine bag and just see what wanted to be birthed. And then Vailana and I were going deep into sacred sexuality. And it was such an initiation for me as a teacher because this was my first time stepping into that role. And I felt very safe because they're such advanced swimmers and mm -hmm. they've done so much trauma work themselves that it actually felt like a really safe playground for me versus if I was dealing with a beginner that had never done with and healed any past sexual trauma or done any like deep dives. Yeah, you had high level students that were eager. Right. Yeah. And so it's actually a much safer playground yeah. as a as a burgeoning teacher in this than someone that's brand new. Um anyway, long story short, it was amazing and profound and really initiated me as a teacher and then and bonded my Lana and I in this beautiful way. So Anyway, it's exciting. And then with the Mark Gaffney work, if you haven't heard of Mark Gaffney, he's a former rabbi turned scholar turned author turned, um, you know, and he has a colored checkered past and reading, listening to this book, The Erotic and the Holy, like the thing that seems to be coming up is that so many of my friends seem to be waking up to this sex work. It just sounds like prostitution, but it's not. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know a better term for it other yeah. than sex work. And also yeah. let's reclaim that term, sex yeah, work. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, we're all coming to this at the same time. And it feels like we've taken the most creative, powerful healing force that there is on the planet, which is our sexual energy. And we've just locked it away inside of us or we've othered it or like, well, I have to watch porn or I have to use a vibrator or I have to have a partner or I have so much shame and trauma around it that I've just, I just have cut off that 
that power source from myself. And we cannot, you cannot do that and have a healthy human. You cannot do that and have a healthy society. And so it seems like this not, like the, the species relationship with sexuality is so knotted up right now that it's creating all these other knots in the necklace. And it feels like if we can unwind this thing, a lot of other knots are gonna start to unravel. And that's why I think so many of us are being drawn and like waking up to this at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I remember like first hearing about Tantra and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, cool. I want to be a better lover, you know, and I'd look, read through some things and it, and it, it didn't grab me per se, you know, like, um, one of my favorite books was she comes first mm-hmm. because it was a very practical guide as a dude to like how to please a woman and how to take the pressure off yourself. Like, Hey, make her orgasm first. And then if you last 30 seconds, big deal, you know, mm-hmm. and odds are if you make her orgasm first, you'll last a lot longer than 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was pure medicine for me in college. And there, there hadn't been this draw that I was, I had appreciated um, Jamie wheel because he's into all the things, you know, he's big into every chemical code there is, you know, like it's, it's, it's sex magic just as much as it is Tantra, but more and more hearing about this. And then really with, with Gaffney and the erotic and the holy, the presentation of God as an access point, through sex, which doesn't exhaust the erotic, but mirrors it. Like, it was just like, fuck. Like it literally has changed. And please, we will link to that in the show notes. It's an incredible audible. It's very short. And it's, it's just broadened me and broadened me and broadened me to the point where like, now I know I have to learn this. Now I know like this is, this has been presented enough to me and I, and I have at least enough of the understanding of the why. Mm -hmm. And with, to what you're speaking about, you know, with, with um, this knot that's at the center Mm-hmm. Right. That's, that's multiple thousand years of not, yeah. you know? So like when you tune into the collective on Aya, you know, and it's mid fucking lockdown, you, you can work through your shit all you want, but you're going to hold something much bigger than that, you know? Yeah. And, and now this, this 100% seems to be one of the most pressing things that we get to. And it doesn't matter where you look, whether it's rape, pedophilia, any of these things, the core wound there is sexual, mm-hmm. you know? And so like really, seeing this through and opening it up, it, it, you know, consciousness is ever flowering and unfolding. So it's not like, this is the one thing that's going to change everything, but it's like, it's pretty damn close. But it's, it's, it's really important. I mean, it has the power. Like we talk about God, the creator, there is nothing more creative that a human can do than create another life. And the, the physical act that we do is procreate. I mean, it's it's lovemaking that that creates that human. And so, yes, you could actually have sex and create a baby. But in the sex magic circles, it's like every time you orgasm, a baby is created. If not a human baby, something is birthed. And so the opportunity here is that every single time you orgasm, every single time you're touching God through this particular act, you are the veil is very thin. Your magnetic field gets bigger you have an extraordinary amount of bliss and love chemistry and endorphins flowing through your veins. And so the thing that Layla has woken me up to is the power of sex magic, which I didn't even know what that word meant two years ago. So sex magic is basically using your own sexual energy, your own creative force to manifest. So the Ziva technique is mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting. And so I've been subscribing to this philosophy for a long time in that 
the game of manifesting is about feeling good. You got to meditate first. You got to access the divine. You got to flood your brain and body with dopamine and serotonin and then place the order with the cosmic waitress at the cosmic restaurant from that state of consciousness, (laughs) right? And like, that's what I've been teaching for 13 years or whatever. And now Layla comes along, changes my whole life. She's like, okay, so now let's put some oxytocin and some endorphins on that. And let's actually get you into orgasm state, which you do move beyond the individuality. You touch totality, whether you want to or not. Like in those moments, it's fleeting for most of us, right? Where it's just like a moment. But that's the beauty of these tantric practices and sex magic is that you're elongating the journey up to that climax and you're being very intentional about what you want to do with that state of consciousness when you're there. And so you you, you see that as an opportunity to create. And so with, with the sex magic that I've learned, it's like you get really clear on the thing that you want to manifest, and then you start building this charge, building this life force from your root to your crown. You move it through every single chakra and it's transmuting, right? It's purifying because if we're just manifesting from our mind, it's really easy for that to be egoic. It's really easy to be in fear. It's really easy for it to stay in the ether. But when you start to move it through your body, it's like you're bringing that download into the 3D. You are merging the 5D and the 3D. And then in that moment of peak pleasure, it's like you send the dream, you send the vision to nature, to the cosmos. And then in that afterglow, you're actually really wide open to receive guidance, right? Of like, yes, I'm placing my order and now let me be open to the next step, to the clues that nature has for me and bringing this thing into fruition. And so this dream that I've had, and this happened a long time ago, I mean, a long time ago, a year and a half ago, where Adam and I were with this beautiful woman named Amanda. And she's like an executive coach, but also happens to be very psychic. And she asked for permission. She's like, can I, like, can I tap into you? And I was like, yeah, please. And she puts her hands on, on me and she's like, whoa, that's weird. I was like, what? And she goes, that's normally my dream. I was like, what's your dream? And she's like, but I see you doing this. And I was like, what? And she's like, there's a stadium. And there's 80,000 people there. And she said specifically, it's Dallas Cowboy Stadium and there's 80,000 people there. And it's not just you on stage. It's a circle. It's a circle of women. And, And that's all she said. And like the next week, full download where it's like lights up Lizzo, Billie Eilish, Mama Gina, Layla, and it's like Vailana. And it's like all the priestesses together and 80,000 people doing sex magic, holding a collective intention for humanity and for the planet. And like, it will change the course of history. And the thing that that Aubrey says about this dream, he's like, you know, this dream of 80,000 people doing sex magic in a stadium, it does not work in this reality. (laughs) And what I love about it is that it's a handshake. It's like you holding this vision will call this new reality towards it. And then when it meets, it will shift the timeline moving forward. And it's not just me that's having this vision. Like every new sex witch that I meet, they're like, yeah, same, same. I'm seeing the same thing. So it's like, we're all coming together, downloading the codes, exchanging them, and then we're going to distribute it. The high priestess full (laughs) I love it. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I think most of my listeners are familiar with Joe Dispenza's work and I've I've talked about it so much, but it was reminding me of when he talked about, you know, the, um, Pacific Islanders, when they would set sail masters of the ocean, they wouldn't, they wouldn't point their, their sail in the direction they were going. They would, they would know that where the Island was based on the stars and they would pull the Island to them. Yes. You know, and it's like, yeah, that's what we're doing here. And and when he breaks down, the manifestation practices that I've learned from him, it's about, you know, it's not just seeing the thing that you want or believing in that it's already here. And those are part of it, but it's actually the feeling, the resonant feeling 
of this has been made manifest. And it's, and it's getting your, sometimes it is harder to get your body to feel those things where you're like, what would joy feel like? What would be, you know, the, the everyday feeling of having my ideal partner in my life? What would the, the feeling of, of not working at a job, incorrect prostitute archetype, you know, that I don't like versus doing vocation where it's like my life's mission. I get to do that every day and it doesn't even feel like work. What would that feel like? For some people, that's so fucking foreign. Like, how do I raise my energy to a point where I'm actually mirroring the thing that I'm calling in? Yeah. And that's the beauty of sex magic and tantra is that you're, you're, you can't help but bring yourself to that high vibratory state where you are going to mirror the thing that you're calling in. Yeah. And it's like you're utilizing that state because if in Joe Dispenza language, the thought is electricity and the, and the emotion is magnetizing. So you have to have a clear thought, which is putting out the electro part. And then the emotion around it is the magnetism. So you're utilizing your electromagnetic field. You're, you're programming that. And I just two days ago on a podcast, I was talking about this and, and she was like, wait, this is quantum sexuality. And I was like, oh my God, I think that's my new brand, quantum sexuality. Because <laughs> it takes the like 10 years of what I've been doing and then it adds this flavor on top of it because it's all it's the same same we're just pouring rocket fuel on it same ideology same thing I've been teaching for a long time we're just supercharging it now and with Joe's work it's I just did a seven-day retreat with him which was awesome and and he does he talks about being a magnet but that's actually one of the things we did at the workshop here yesterday is that I have people do I call it pussy magnet but everybody did it with all types of genitalia (laughs) but it's like where you're turning where you actually like turn yourself on, you breathe life into your actual sexual charge, which it's like a thermostat. You know what I mean? A lot of it, we have judgment and shame and like, oh, I'm not turned on, I'm guilty or like I am super turned on, I have to hide it. And so there's like, well, what's the perfect level? It's like, what if we stop judging that and instead just checked in with ourselves like we did a thermostat? Oh, I'm 72 degrees. I'd like to be a little warmer. I'm going to click it up to 76. Oh, I'm 80. I'm in the middle of a math class. I'm going to turn it down to maybe like a 69, right? High school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so it's like using your own level of sexual charge, but creating your own magnet and then very much magnetizing the dream to you, just like you would a partner. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone who's ever been hunted or knows how to be chased, it's like, you know how to turn on the magnet and it's like, we'll do the same thing for your dreams and get really, really clear on it. And then utilize that peak state of pleasure when your electromagnetic field is the biggest it can ever be as a human. Fuck yeah. I think, I think most people listening to this podcast, it's, it's hard to, to try to bridge the gap to general population or anything like that. But I, I know for sure every listener that I have that, that, that every listener that Aubrey has and Paul check and like a lot of my favorite people and mentors in the world, they've graduated to a level where they know it's possible. That, that, that has to be your prerequisite where you're like, Oh, I don't know if this is going to work. No, like I know it works. And all I have to do is look in hindsight at my life to know like, Oh yeah, I set out to do this. I did it. I set out to do this. I did it. Even as, I mean, I remember when I first started playing with this stuff, I was still fighting and I was bouncing at like a regular bar and I had friends that bounced at strip clubs. And I was like, well, that sounds way better. You know, you got, you got, you throw out a perv. It's not some drunk that's going to hit you over the head with a beer bottle. That sounds cooler mm-hmm. and hot ladies. And you get paid way more because you're getting tipped. And I had a job at two strip clubs within three months. I mean, it happened overnight and it's something as simple as that, but it was just like, I've really set that in as like a preliminary, let's try the low hanging fruit. You know, and then it was there and then it was like, oh, I'm not sure that I, I, I got what I wanted and I didn't fully know what I was asking for, you know, all, all benefits and there's many pros and cons to that sure. industry. Um, but like you can practice these things with something that 
is believable to you. You know, and then once you have enough of that uh, in your experience so that you know what you're setting out to do, you are achieving it and you are calling it in and it's working, fucking go for the home run, go for the grand slam. Like picture your entire life in this way where mm-hmm. there is nothing left unturned. If you need the, the your soulmate, fucking call that in. If you if you want to live in vocation where the thing you do doesn't matter to you, it matters to everyone, including you. That can be yours too. Like anything can be yours. It's not just wrapping your hands around the steering wheel of a Tesla. That's low hanging fruit. Cool. You want the Tesla? Get the Tesla. But all the shit that actually matters in, in how we view ourselves when we look in the mirror and we're like, am I doing good enough? Am I making a big enough change? Is this what I really want to do? Like, like fucking answer those questions with the manifestation. Yeah. Yeah. That's so beautifully said. And, and it also feels like we limit our dreams when we start worrying about the when and the how. And, and what I always say when it comes to manifesting is you get clear on what you want and why you want it. What do you want and why do you want it? What do you want and why do you want it? The second you start worrying about the when and the how, you'll mess it up or you'll minimize it because you'll only be able to dream what you can conceive of uh, executing on. And when you're, that's the whole point of manifesting is like, if, if it's just an execution, like I don't need to manifest going to the grocery store and getting some cereal. <laughs> like I'm fully capable of that. You don't need to visualize like, I don't what need you're going to call in God. You know, I'm like, it's like yeah, I am God. I can handle it's that. It's going to be the keto granola. They don't always have it in stock, but I'm going to make sure it's in stock. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to like place that order beforehand. Um, but it's with, with the big stuff, likely if you know how and when it's going to happen, it's not a big enough dream. So we got to dream bigger and then call in the big guns. And one thing, yesterday when I led the thing, I I opened it up by calling in our guides and calling in like some some people that I feel, not people, but like deities I'm feeling relationships with. And it felt like they were teaching through me. But the thing that I remembered and then I communicated is that like the angels can't help you without your consent. And it's like, and whatever, I was a little allergic to the word angel, but whatever you think of, your higher power, God, goddess, nature, whatever you name it, that thing really can't help you without your consent. And anyone who's been a parent to a teenager knows that. It's like, you're right there. Like you want to help them. But if they're like, get out of my room, I don't want to talk to you, that, you know, then you, you quite literally can't help them. The worthy inquiry rule, which applies to Ziva, applies to God too. And so this is just a way of getting into a practice of of giving consent and being specific about what you want help with. And someone said at the workshop yesterday, she was like, I'm kind of frustrated with this and I didn't like your cues and I didn't, you know, I would teach this stuff, but you know, I manifest and it doesn't always happen. And I was like, yeah, God's not a short order cook, (laughs) right? Like, because God has more information than we do. And sometimes your what and why are not in your highest service or in highest service for everybody. I tell this story about my son, Jasper, where we were in the park one day and he wanted to go to the playground and he was like two or like maybe even one and a half. He was a baby, baby. And he sees it and all he's like, he's like, playground. I was like, yes, let's go. And so he clearly stated his intention. He communicated to me. So I was like, yes, I want to make your dreams come true. He gave me consent. We're walking towards the playground. And then he's, there's a giant iron fence and it's 10 feet tall and he's trying to go directly to the playground through the the bars of the iron (laughs) fence. And I'm like taking his hand and I'm trying to walk him around to the entrance of the playground and he's screaming, crying. And he's like, no, playground, I didn't even go to the 
playground. And meanwhile, I'm trying to take him to the entrance of the playground, <laughs> but he's so concerned about how mm. he wants to get to the playground that he's not allowing me to guide him to the entrance of the playground. It's like, how many times do we do that with God? We focus on the thing that's not our job, which is the when and the how. And then we get mad at God for not delivering our dream. And it's like, wait a minute, she was just walking you to the entrance of your dream. Yeah, the, the, this is reminding me of, of Dispenza's talk on, on intention versus surrender. And I saw this on like Instagram or some shit. It wasn't from one of his books that I'd read. But he talked about that as a, a pretty common question that comes up during manifestation. And he says, the use of intention is, it is the why you're calling the thing in. And it is the, the knowing of what that is going to bring to your life. And, th- and there's a true need for fulfillment that request can be made, but you surrender to the how and the when. Like, that's not up to you. You let that go. And if you don't let that go, that's becoming too specific. Like, if you you are dead set on one particular person that you imagine to be your soulmate, no, it has to be her. It has to be him. It has to be him. Then you you disregard all the other options that could come to you that would be a better match because you don't really know that person as much as you're attracted to them. And there may be a better match out there. And if you surrender that portion of it and the, the, you know, the when and how it's going to happen, then the exact right thing or the exact right person is going to show up. Yeah. I think that that is where the mastery comes into play is that exact dance, the laser sharp precision of the intention and the full trust and surrender that nature has more information than you do. And that's why this stuff takes practice and why, you know, it's, it's not just like, it's not a magic wand, but I think that also the thing that people forget is that again, manifesting is a game about feeling good. And and that doesn't mean putting a happy face sticker on an empty tank of gas. That doesn't mean putting a Band-Aid on top of an infected gaping wound. It's doing whatever work you have to do to genuinely, honestly vibrate at the same frequency of your dreams, which oftentimes means shadow work. It oftentimes means purging. It oftentimes means cleaning up your lies and you know going and, and writing the wrongs from your past so that you can honestly be at that frequency. And it's why the combination of meditation and manifesting is so much more powerful than just manifesting alone. Because step one, the meditation is a purging practice. Step two, you're flooding your brain and body with dopamine and serotonin. Step three, the right and left hemispheres of your brain are starting to merge, which is the individuality and the totality. So you're quite literally viscerally reminding yourself that you are God pretending to be human. Then you place the order from that state of consciousness It's going to do a lot more for you than being like waking up in the morning, drinking coffee, smoking cigarettes, and being like putting a picture of a Ferrari on your wall. (laughs) (laughs) That's quite true. I had a thread that I was going to roll with on, um, ah, and I lost the thread. Keep going. It'll come. It'll come. (laughs) But I think it's a similar with, with, with the sex magic practices, right? It's like, and, and every single time I've ever facilitated with with Layla or or Regina, aka Mama Gina, they never start with pleasure practices. Not once have they ever started with pleasure practices. When when Layla leads any sort of ceremony, we start with a reclamation. And the first thing she'll do is like acknowledge whatever darkness, whatever thickness is in the room, or she'll bring it up. Like when you hear the word sex, like what comes up for you? What's your, and she'll acknowledge trauma. If it's a mixed group, she'll talk about the predatory nature, the misogyny, like, and she'll just lean right in. And oftentimes that is the most potent medicine and just bringing that up and then clearing it. And then also getting people then to reclaim their pleasure. So oftentimes she'll have people pleasuring themselves in and being witnessed in community because like for how long have you been hiding that? 
Like the, the terror and the shame of being walked in on while you're masturbating. It's like, said who? Yeah. Why is that something that we have to hide when meanwhile you could play video games and like blow someone's brains out and like that's totally fine. Yeah. To be displaying. Come on, be get another of. kill. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, just don't leave yet. I got to kill more people. And it's like, what said who? And and we know who. It's been like organized religion for thousands of years. And like that's dangerous. People who have their own their own path to God. Well, then they don't have to tithe to the church. They don't have to go and. and it's the same reason psychedelics are gone. You know, immortality key. The the literally the high priestesses were the curanderas. Of the medicinal wine. What's that was, curandera? It's uh, the, the, the brew makers. They would make the psychedelic wine. It was before wine was uh, alcoholic. And they're all, you know, sorts of, of odd plant medicines that they would concoct together. And they were the people, the high priests that served that medicine. So you could eat the Eucharist and embody the Christ. Wow. Right? And those are the people that were burned at the stake because they had their own medicine to get to God. Yeah, and same, you go to like temple priestesses, they were practicing temple arts, which was oftentimes sacred sexuality, and that was a path to God. And that got real, real wiped out. <laughs> and, and now when you look up priest, when you look up like temple priestesses or courtesans, it's like basically translated as prostitute. And it's like, no, no, these were, these were just like you would revere a priest. These were priestesses. They were, they were holy, holy people. It's reminding me of um, the last time we had we had fit for service in our final core event in Sedona last year, as always, and we brought Matthias De Stefano out. Did Aubrey tell you about his interactions with him? Mm-mm. He's coming here on my birthday, so I'm gonna I'm gonna sneak off the farm to to say what's up to him and get my questions answered. But he's phenomenal. He's got a show called Initiation on Gaia TV, and his story is um, he remembers all his past lives. So like right from birth, you remember him. I started having memories right when he was three. And and to me and Aubrey, you know, it's like, cool. And and what does that mean? Right. So the, the but the thing is, we ask this guy questions, like his his level of wisdom and knowledge through memory is fucking uncanny. And and there is a resonance. Like you like when you when you do enough work on yourself, it be your um your compass for telling if somebody's off or on becomes pretty fine tuned. Like the bullshit meter doesn't fucking lie anymore. Like mm-hmm. you just, you're tuned in. And this dude is the fucking real deal. Like he's the real deal, like Paul Selig. Mm-hmm. And so we were, we were chatting with him and um, somebody brought up like the difference between how we handle death and funerals versus like in a highly evolved culture on a different planet. And he said, Oh yeah, that's a great question. He's like, uh, you know, death was like the, the most beautiful ceremony. All the high priestesses would come in and all the tantric masters would come in and they would bring the person dying to a state of pure ecstasy. Yes. And I'm like, whoa. Yes. <laughs> like I'm trying to put my, like, think of this. This is a polar fucking opposite than being stuck in some fucking room with fluorescent lights uh, and a bunch of white lab coats and, and your family's not allowed in. Beeping machines. Yeah, yeah. And they're just like, like the best of the best of the best. And they could include plant medicines. They can include anything, but just physical touch, eroticism that would literally bring you to the point of ecstasy and then edge that and edge that and edge that until you're ready to go. So when you send off to the next plane, you were of the highest possible vibration. Yes. I'm like, fuck yes. it. That, yeah. Fuck yeah. Right. Introducing this concept to me. Yes, a hundred percent. I'm probably going to go become a death doula now. Um, <laughs> but I've, I've been when I'm going to die, how, I'll go to you. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, 
I've been reading about how they're starting to introduce like LSD and psilocybin at end of life care, which is amazing. And if you think about it, it's birth, giving birth and death are the three times in life where you produce the highest amounts of oxytocin and DMT chemistry just organically. And, and like, this is a big deal transitioning from one plane to the other, just like we, and birth, same thing. Yeah. You're like, coming in and yeah, you're coming in but like body. Now birth is this thing in like a hospital with this not, 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 not versus what it could be, which, you know, and I know, I think, thank God for Western medicine and, and like, it doesn't need to be as intervened. It could be, or like, I'm obsessed with the idea of orgasmic birth. Mm-hmm. Candles and, you know, incense. And the same thing that got the baby in is the same thing that will get the baby out. And it's like opening And that does safety. work. That absolutely does work. That we were reading, I forget who, which which books we were reading, but like walking, squatting, and orgasm are the very best things for mom to be able to get the baby in the right position and then move. Yeah. So we we had a lot of that. And then we had Bear in the hospital and it was a learning experience. We had Wolf at home and it was yeah. fucking night and day. Yeah. And and yeah, there was still a backup plan if we needed to. If there was an emergency, we could have rolled down the street to the hospital. Um, yeah. My brother, Dr. Nathan Riley, he's like a young Zach Bush. Um medical doctor, OBGYN, and hospice care doctor. So he mm. delivered a baby and helped someone transition on the same day. Wow. I told that story on Charles Eisenstein podcast and it's just fucking floodgates, wow. right? Brilliant person. But that's what he, you know, he has the ability to do a home birth and C-section right there if necessary. Wow. So you don't have to go anywhere. And I'm like, this is the future, right? We're yeah, seeing glimpses of the future in all, in all areas. But yeah, to your point, like birth is a fucking ceremony. Death is a ceremony. It's not yeah. a procedure, you know, and yeah. if we can, we can start to reframe the ideology behind it, we can make it better in a hospital room and we can make it better at home. Yeah. You know, like, we well, yes, for sure be protected, but it is a ceremony. Yes. It's not, and it's nothing short of that. And I think we're so afraid of death in the West. We like to pretend that somehow we're not all going to die. And then I think because we're not all living our lives fully, we then have shame about aging because it's like the regret of everything we didn't accomplish. And it's like, if we could empower people to fully live and fully be present and to face death, which you often do. I mean, meditation every day, twice a day, you're practicing dying. Psychedelics, there's ego death all the time time. So if these ceremonies are starting to incorporate into our life, I think that we would be more curious about the death ceremony instead of trying to pretend like it doesn't exist. And I think it would actually change our relationship with aging. You know, I have a chapter in my book that's called the fountain, it's called the legit fountain of youth, which I fought with the with the publishers about because I'm sort of anti-fountain of youth. I'm really into fountain of health. Mm. And I think that we conflate the two. And it's like, oh, we're afraid of aging because we assume that it means like a decrease or a decline in our health. And there's so much bad science about maternal like fertility rates because most women as they get older, get less healthy, but it's not actually true. Your fertility does not have to go down until a certain point. Paul Check and Angie are, are perfect examples of that. Angie's late for mid late forties with two kids. And, and Paul was mid to late fifties when he had his last two kids. Cool. Perfect. I mean, flawless health. They're just fucking little gems. Great. Yeah. Great. I like hearing that. And so just, I, I share that because I know most women and I myself included, when like you hit 35, you're like, well, this is it. I have to, I have to procreate <laughs> right now or my child is Store my eggs. <laughs> yeah. And, or start freezing my eggs. And it's just, there's so much fear around something that it's like, you know, we could have a separate podcast about that, but it's, uh, I think that if we had a different relationship with death, we, our relationship with aging would also be much healthier. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, I did my two hour talk got crunched down to one because we have so many amazing guests here, you know, and speakers 
And um, the theme was, you know, becoming unfuckwithable. And there's a lot I could say about that. I get to talk about guns. I could talk about prepping. I could talk about anything. You know, I could talk about mixed martial arts. Like none of that was a part of the conversation. I broke down some of the key ingredients of what we've seen over the last couple of years that doesn't look right. You know, the, the cracks, the cracks that were already in the system are more exposed now than ever. So we talked education, we talked government and law, we talked about a number of things, but ultimately it finished with what you're exactly talking about right now. If we have a fear of death, that program runs in the back of our minds and it influences every fucking decisions we make. It influences how we live. And the confrontation of that, the ability to say, yes, I'm going to push up against this and experience some death. That's, um, you know, one of the best takeaways from the Immortality Key by Brian Marusco is that the reason these high priestesses would hold these ceremonies as initiations was so you could face death before dying. It was to die and truly live again. That's the resurrection, right? Like mm-hmm. that, that whole narrative is baked into that. Mm-hmm. Like I will die and be resurrected in the Christ or whatever you want to call that, in the Buddha, in, in the Lao Tzu, you know, like you'll come in the Tao. And as you come back, then you get to fully experience all of life, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not until you say yes to that moment and any great initiation, like they, they'll say like death is on the line if it's a true initiation, Wow, you know, yeah. and that's really what it is. But mm-hmm. I, I love the mini death from the meditations. I love, yeah. you know, the, that still is a huge practice in surrender and you'll know it when you hit it because it's just, there's no joy greater than that. Mm. There's no bliss greater than that than when you fully surrender. And freedom. Mm-hmm. It's so much freedom. And it's reminding me, there's a book that was a real initiation that Adam would read to me like a bedtime story every night. Um, like just such a beautiful act of devotion and service where like for 30 minutes every night he would read, he still does. Like he reads me books to sleep because we're long distance. <laughs> and um, and the first one was the Magdalene Manuscripts. Mm. Have you heard of this book? Mm-hmm. Have you- I have it. I haven't opened it yet. Okay. But I have it. I mean, so it's an initiation. That book is an initiation. And it is, um, it's a story of Mary Magdalene, who again, historically has been portrayed as a prostitute. Not true. She was basically a living avatar of Isis, which is the Egyptian goddess of sex and motherhood and home and magic. She's a, like the, the goddess of magic and sex. And, um, and so Mary Magdalene had been trained and initiated into a lot of the Isis practices, one of them being sex magic. And so this theory, which is just as absurd or believable as any other parable that you would read in the Bible, is that Mary Magdalene and Yeshua, or Jesus, were deeply in love. It was a profound cosmic love. And she was initiating him into all of these tantric practices and charging him up and teaching him how to cultivate his life force and how to build this charge. And so that when he went into the cave for three weeks, you know, he was able to rebuild that life force and emerge. So is it allegoric? Maybe. Is it, is it a story of like, oh, well, you have to face your death and be rebirthed in every initiation that's moving you towards this ultimate freedom and this compassion and love for every human being on, on planet Earth? Maybe. But the practices inside of there are legit. Fuck yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm in. That was the only selling point I needed. Yeah, my homie, uh, my homegirl, Jade Bryce, was, has been talking about that book. Has absolutely changed her life. And I was like, all right, I'll get it. And I'll open it when it's calling to me. And I've, honestly, I've read, I haven't had enough. I, wanna, I won't say that because I do definitely like to understand the truth, even though it's ugly to look at. But I just finished um, The Real Anthony Fauci by uh, 
Robert Kennedy Jr. And I was like, I need something that's going to lift me up now. <laughs> so I've been diving into the erotic and the holy, and that's perfect. Uh-huh. But I know one book's not going to, I need another, <laughs> I need another good spiritual <laughs> text to follow that. I can't I go one say, for one on the shit stuff. You know, like you and I like really disagree on a lot of stuff. And I, like as far as like all the conspiracy theories and vaccinations and like we're wildly opposed. And I was saying to Adam the other day, I was like, I don't know anybody who's as deep down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole and as deep prepper and as happy as Kyle Kingsbury. (laughs) (laughs) So like, can you give us your secret of like, how do you like face, you know, because it feels like you're like actively seeking and looking out like these realities and yet you curated and cultivated a state of consciousness that is vibrating so high. And I would love to understand that. This is a great question. I've never, been, I've never been asked this before and I've had to think about it because I could understand like where the rabbit hole leads if you don't pull yourself out of it. Yeah. And that is dis ease. Mm-hmm. All this, all mental stress, all emotional stress will have a physical impact on the body. And early in 2020, I threw my back out, getting off the floor, like 500 pound deadlift. I stand up off the floor and throw my back out. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening to me? You know, and I go to Kimmy, the well law specialist. And she's like, yeah, your spine is your, it's your safety cord. It's your, it's your strength. It's your antenna. So if that's off, you know, low back, root chakra, like you're not safe in the world. It's going to manifest here. You know, a lot of people might throw that out, but I've had my jaw broken in two places. I've had my orbital busted twice. I've had a lot of serious injury injuries that happened structurally from fighting. And that was like, there was no question. It was fucking mental, emotional, no question. And right then I realized I can't live in this space, even if I touch it. And can't um, live in what space? In the space of darkness, in the space of conspiracy, in the, in the, in the space of the world looks different than I had hoped or it looks different than I had expected. And, um, you know, I had another, I got two great friends, um, Dr. Dan Stickler and Dr. Michael Hamilton, who are phenomenal people. They live in Austin. You'd love them. Absolutely love them. And one of the things that Micra had told me was- oh God, You're like the eighth person that told me I have to meet Micra. Yeah, so the shit, dude. Micra, you're listening. Yeah, it's done. Okay, let's it's do done. It. Okay, great. All right, so that's out there. It's happening. Great. Um, Micra said, you know, whenever the feelings of fear or the feelings of anything that's a negative vibratory field, and they're all there on purpose, right? Like we need to have fear. We need to have a healthy amount of anger. We need to have a healthy amount of things because that helps change our reality. But they're not meant to be chronic, just like no stress is meant to be chronic. Mm -hmm. So she's like, flip the script to joy, flip the script to bliss. And whatever that means for you, it could be. And I knew immediately, right when she said it, I saw myself playing the drum with Wolf. I saw me tickling my son. You know, I saw all the things that are like instant hacks. It doesn't matter how my day is. If I hear my kids laugh, fucking, it's just a wash. Like everything is gone, right? And so it became, it became not like just a focal point, Mm -hmm. but, um, like taking a shower or flossing my teeth. Like I have to cultivate joy. I have to cultivate joy. And I have to do the things that show me time and again, how awesome it is to be here. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the thoughts around like, and I think what led to the dark night of the soul really is like the, the Gnostic idea that where we are is um, a simulation from Beelzebub or Yelzebub or fucking Baal or whatever the, the devil's name is. And um, to sit in that space it's not a fun space. So, but touching joy, touching orgasm, touching all of these things that are so readily accessible, especially with, with how I've cultivated my life, 
that is proof in the pudding where there's no denial of the divine. There's no denial of how amazing life is. And, and all it takes is like retracking my trajectory from, you know, my upbringing to living in my mom's garage for five years while I was fighting in the UFC, like to see where I'm at today. And it's like, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, we did that. We co-created that, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. it's and my fucking amazing wife and my amazing kids and all the fucking amazingness and this farm that we get to live at, that's 120 acres and all those things, you know? But it's different to just look in the high, you know, rear view and, and track all that. It's another thing to like, where is it right now? You know, mm-hmm. like, show me now. Show me where you're at now. Mm-hmm. And those points are still so accessible. And so is the bliss field in meditation, right? And like, that was another thing. I've had a, a rough go on ketamine and I think I might be putting it down for good because it, it brings me to a point of like, it's it's really Watiko and Paul Levy's book, Dispelling Watiko, really pointed to that. He calls it malignant egophrenia. It's a, it's a Native American term for darkness. Okay. The best way to put it is a non-local mind virus. And what it does is it accesses you, each individual's hard drive and it inverts things. So it would invert the teaching of we are one, to I am the only one and everyone else is a figment of my imagination, uh. right? And then it would play that further. Like for eternity, you are to be fucked with, you know? And like anything my five or six-year-old does to me is on purpose to fuck with me. It's not a six-year-old being a six-year-old. Uh-huh. It's not a kid pushing boundaries to see where they can operate in. It's, it's um, you know, life fucking with me. So yeah. like the, that, but experiencing that, having lived it for two and a half weeks, I lived there in the dark night. Now it has become just a, a mission to experience the joy and it's a mission to experience the bliss. And, and the beautiful thing with your meditation, which really got me through all that, mm. was that I could touch that point every fucking day, twice a day. Mm. I could get there. And then like, if that's the full surrender, if it feels like that, mm-hmm. that's, that's all I need. That's the only checkbox that I need to know what the divine actually is. Mm, beautiful. I'm so glad that, that your practice moved you through and gave you like an anchor point and a way to come back to joy. That makes my heart so happy. It's like why I do the thing that I do. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that brings us to an hour. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so you've got new stuff coming out. Uh-huh. Let's talk about that. Okay. So yeah, I'm doing this beautiful uh, class called Easy Magic which it feels like life is feels hard right now. It feels like planet Earth feels hard. You know, we're dealing with a lot of a lot of stuff. You know, there's I don't need to name the darkness. There's plenty of it. We're swimming in it. And as I've been waking up to these practices that feel magic, and P.S. I was allergic to the word magic. I was allergic to the word miracles. Like I, I sort of on my team, I'm like, you're never. I would say no on no content, <laughs> no social media posts, no emails. Are you ever to mention the word miracles or magic? Because I subscribe to the Einstein philosophy that either you believe that everything is a miracle or nothing is, and and like, of course we can explain everything with science. And I am now subscribing to the belief that. Everything is a miracle. Flying on a plane, fucking miracle. The fact that people are going to listen to this in their ear holes in the future on some device, miracle. You know, there's so many miracles. And so anyway, this idea of easy magic, it's basically reminding people just how much magic they have inside of them already. 
and how much easier life can be through meditation. So this is going to be a free class that we're doing on April. Scratch that, reverse it. It's March 29th or 30th. There we go. Um, There we go. We got there. Um, And it's just an opportunity for people to come and meet me and see this work and understand if this feels like, because I think with any teacher, certainly meditation, you want to know if you vibrate with that person. You want to check their bullshit meter, see if this is someone, because it can be a really intimate relationship, your relationship with your meditation teacher. So it's an opportunity for people to come and, and dive into this work, get a taster. And then if people like it, we're doing a live version of Ziva online, which is, I'd say, my most popular 15-day training, where I'm going to be going live every single day for 15 days. And we're going to have like a whole class of people coming together from around the world to initiate in the mindfulness, the meditation, and the manifesting. Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so dope. Yeah, it's so we'll, exciting. We'll link to that in the show notes. Thanks. Um, I'll have a discount code for y'all. KKP. Mm-hmm. I like it. We'll lock it in. KKB. KKB. Great. KKP. Cal Kingsbury podcast. Oh, right. There not, we go. Not KKP. Okay, yeah. KKP. <laughs> You're thinking Kingsbury. I am. Yeah. <laughs> that <KKT>. works. <laughs> KKP it is. Okay. Amazing. I love you so much. I love you. I thank you so much. And I have eternal gratitude for you. I have so Absolutely. much gratitude for you. Thank you for vibrating so high. Thank you for modeling uh, what it is to be so in your masculine and so in devotion to the divine feminine. I think that is really powerful medicine that the world needs right now. And I see it happening. I see these men here who have never had a model like this, who have never been taught to celebrate their own femininity or to raise up the divine feminine around them. And that is really, really powerful medicine that we need right now. So thank you. Absolutely. I love you, buddy. I love you.